Hi, this is Donnie Most, and you're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh my God, oh yes! She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Wheezy, John. So you're in the studio. You can see me. I've got right now. I've got like this headphone on my on my head. You do. But normally, like my hair is kind of you know my hair is my thing. My uh, I'm very I'm very my hair is kind of a signature for me. Okay. And I haven't changed my hairdo in about thirty years, maybe more. But anyway, so I'm very attached to this part of me because I think it represents me. I think people associate it with me. You know, it's kind of become a that with my feathers, especially my feathers in my hair, which I started because my hairdresser, who is Cindy Wright at Coif Salon in Studio City. You know, when I was coming out to LA um, a dozen years ago, I had a guy in New York that I went to for years and I was really traumatized that I was moving to Los Angeles and I was going to have to find a new hairdresser and I was pretty freaked out about it because I don't, yeah, it's, that's... Your hair is it, your thing. Yeah, anything yeah. else, you know, I'll go to, yeah, but no, and actually that's not true. I'm loyal to, like, the same doctor, the same, anyway, so my friend Kathleen Wilhoyt, Fabulous actress, fabulous singer. You, Kathleen's fabulous. Yeah. She suggested that I go to Cindy. I loved her hair, and I I was scared. And it was before we moved out here, like six months before, so I could find somebody before. Right? I was like looking for a house and looking for a hairdresser. Those okay. were the two important okay. things. Yeah. So and the schools. It was all about the schools. Well, anyway, so I go to Cindy, and she does my hair the first time, and it's magic. And so now it's twelve years later. Nobody touches my hair, but Cindy Wright at Coif Salon in Studio City. She is phenomenal. She does my highlights because I'm not a natural salt and pepper. No, I, somebody said I had salt and pepper. I don't have gray in my hair. No, it's blonde and whatever other color that is. And there's a lot of that. And it's kind of very stripey and, and kind of not natural looking, which I love. And it's very choppy and, and kind of... It's an event. It's an event. The hair is an event. And Cindy is brilliant every time and you know like I, I look back at pictures and I see that you know it's changed minimally you know through like and you know each time when I do it I'm like oh I liked it better last time until like two weeks later and then I love it anyway I can't recommend her highly enough I love 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 her so if you are looking for somebody that you can trust depend on who's fantastic and who's so much fun I she's become one of my best friends go to Cindy Wright at Coif in Studio City Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, Lindsay Wheezy. Hey, Vicki. Hello. Well, this is exciting. Um, this is the first time that producer Louise Palanker is behind the soundboard. I am behind I'm, the soundboard. I'm I, supervising. 
Lindsay is supervising. Lindsay is my boss, and she <laughs> is a bitch. Hey. You, are yeah. not, you are not the boss I, of her. <laughs> did I just say that out loud? You did say That's it out loud. Very no. nice. You said it out loud and on the air. No, she is a doll. She's been teaching <laughs> yeah. me how to use the Pro Tools, so yay, I now know Pro how to tools, use yay. the Pro Tools, because Lindsay... Intern Lindsay is going back east. <laughs> yeah, she Unless is. we can find her a job at Radio Disney, which is so, a dream company. Dream company. Okay, but we all, but, but I think a, a job at another company like that would not That'd suck be fine either. Too. So that would be so we're putting design. it out there that we hire have this me, fantastic <laughs> uh, woman who knows how to do all of this tech shit that is and teach other people and she's able to teach other, others as well. So if you're out there and you're looking for a tech person, we've got. We've got the woman for you. Please hire me. Please hire her. <laughs> so then she'll be here to, but she has to be off on Wednesday nights at 7.15 mm-hmm. Pacific time. Okay. So anyway, um, so right now at this moment, Samantha is with my mother seeing Jake Gyllenhaal on Broadway in what? Sunday in the Park with George. Wow. What? Yes, she he's, is. He's and amazing. so she wrote to me during intermission, my mother is not loving the show, uh-huh. which, uh, okay, Samantha is, and she said, boy, Jake can really sing. Really? And uh, I'm very jealous that I'm not seeing it. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And But I did see something really fascinating this week. Okay, so now I know that I'm a little resistant to seeing like old black and whites at this stage of my life. There was a time, you know, when I was a teenager and and when I was in my 20s, when I was into this arts, you know, being arty and I would go to all the art houses and I would watch all the old black and whites and I loved them and I ate them up. And I I, I always loved like Marx Brothers movies and and things like that. But I was also very, and I love Clark Gable movie. You know, I was specific in the old stuff that I would watch. And so I was invited to a screening of Sullivan's Travel. Now, this is not Gulliver's Travels. This oh, I know it well. I am more than a little <gasps> bit addicted to Turner Classic movies. Okay. So I just yes. went to that festival. Fangirling on all of it. So, Go ahead. Preston Sturgis. Sure. Wow. Okay, so this is a Veronica Lake film. Now, I knew about Veronica Lake because she has the hair that's swoop. She's famous for having oh, the swoop yes. hair. She didn't have the swoop hair in this movie, though. It was over to what? one side, but it wasn't swooping in the eye. Um but it uh, and also Joel McRae. Anyway, <gasps> the movie was fantastic. Yes, you know I was I was like okay, I'm going. It's Phil Rosenthal's movie night. I love movie night at Phil's. It's fantastic, no matter what. So no matter what the movie is, I'm gonna have a a great evening, and I'm I'm so honored and thrilled to be there. I'm figuring the movie, well, you know, because to me, a lot of those old black and whites, the acting is a little over the top. You know, it's sort of old school. A lot of them were kind of heavy handed. Um, This, not at all. It was absolutely brilliant. Funny, funny, funny. Still held up. It was just a genius movie. Um, You have to trust Phil. Have to trust Phil. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. And there was a guy there. There's, there was a gentleman there who I've known for years going to Phil's. His name is Jeremy Stevens. And Jeremy was um, uh, was a, a writer and a director on Everybody Loves Raymond. And he actually was the one who went to Russia with Phil and <gasps> stayed while they made the transition of Everybody Loves Raymond to a Russian sitcom. Jeremy's the one who helmed that thing there. And, but, and I knew Jeremy had some incredible credits and in that he had, he was in um, the 
Sunshine Boys with Lou Jacoby, and they stayed lifelong friends when he was a young man. Um, Jeremy's 79, and vital as can be. And it, and he, I knew he had written on Coach and a bunch of cool shows. What I didn't remember was that he was the, one of the original writers on Norman Lear's Fernwood Tonight and America Tonight. Wow. Two of my favorite shows of all time, Lindsay, before your time. But, but this is getting to the point. But anyway, Jeremy is also now in, in this point of his life becoming a life coach because he wants to help people because he's a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. It's not that he needs, this guy doesn't need money. I mean, he's had incredible success, but he likes being vital and he likes doing something important and he's a people person. So he had asked me months ago if I would be willing to be one of his test subjects when it came time. And I was like, hell yeah, sure. So it turns out now he's actually ready to take clients and stuff and so we're doing my session tomorrow i'm so excited so just plan for my entire life to be changed by next week i'm not putting a lot of pressure on this or anything but (laughs) anyway it was jeremy's request for phil to show sullivan's travels yes and um he Phil had shown a, 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 an old Alfred Hitchcock the week before, and I had missed it because of my nose thing. But um, but Jeremy had then requested Sullivan's Travels, and um, and it got me to thinking about you, Lindsay, and how we were talking last week about the fact that tonight's guest was going to be Donnie Most, and we started talking about Happy Days. Ooh, and do you right. think Lindsay did her homework? Well, you know, I don't know if she did, but. I Uh-oh, she's, she's doing shrinking. it right now. She's shrinking. She's, oh, get on your phone, Lindsay. And right, no, I want you to pay attention to Sunday. the conversation because we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk to you. But but the thing that struck me was how Wheezy, we just assu- I just assume, I don't want to speak for you, that like everybody in the world knows happy days. I don't assume I work with young people. Yeah, you and, do. That's right. You know, you can say things to them like Paul McCartney was a Beatle and they're dumbstruck, you know. So Okay. I I wanna point out that I knew that. Oh so okay. I knew that one. It it does it does surprise me though. Um, you know, because I remember when I was twenty and my father would talk about Rosemary Clooney or Bing Cross whatever, you know, I had a, a frame of reference to the the uh, because I used to, we used to watch the Ed Sullivan show and stuff, so I knew the old comedians. And I, and, and I guess because of my parents being, my father being in show business, I was more aware than I guess other kids were. But I knew the the movie stars from the earlier days and the singers and the comedians and all of that. But I'm so taken with considering the information highway we live on, how little the current gen the millennials know about our music um our tv and and tv land is there so i mean the shows are are accessible to well them. but the thing is the bandwidth is enormous that's so true their choice of where they could go and where their interests may take them it's, it's really up to the kid and so there's a lot available she's a disney princess so she's disney been princess. very busy <laughs> no well, i'm i'm thinking that we just have our very certain interests so we like to stick with those and we don't really like to expand out of it and and i think there's i think there's validity to that i also think there's great value in being exposed beyond our our, i agree our because i would not have seen sullivan's travels had phil not shown it and if somebody would have said to me oh why don't you go watch that i would nah 
uh, nah. And I'm so glad I saw it, and I loved it so much. And I'm, So what I'm saying to you, Lindsay, is that by not having any awareness of happy days, you are cheating yourself of one of life's I remembered, great joys. I kind of remembered the theme song because Lindsay started singing it I did now, start- in ah. my head. So I kind of sort of know the theme song. Okay, well, tonight we have with us Donnie Most, who is best known as Ralph Mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I can't say Ralph without mouth. Mouth. M-A-L-P-H. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, from Happy Days. And, and, and he's Donnie Most to me and to much of the world. But actually, he's now Don Most because he's a grown-up because he's not still 17, although I will keep him there forever. There's a lot of grown-ups who have a Y at the end of their name. I think he just ran out of letters. <laughs> he's economizing. <laughs> well, that could be the case. He's also still best friends with Anson Williams, who was Potsy. There was Potsy. No, now he and- goes by Potts. <laughs> so he's still best friends with Anson. And in fact, I just exchanged texts with Anson and he told me that they were together in Florida and there's a story. Anson's still there. So I'm, I'm look- we have to ask Donnie for this. But he said there's a full story he's, that we that we should hear. Um, but anyway, so so Donnie came into my world as as Ralph from, from Happy Days, and which was Helm by Gary Marshall, beloved Gary Marshall. So now three of them have done Women Who Write. Gary, Anson, and Donnie have all done Women Who Write. So we need Henry. Louise, I'm telling you, we, we how what do we have to do? What do we have to do, Louise? We have to get Henry, right? We do. Henry was Henry Winkler was the Fonz. And I can't tell you how many characters that you know, Lindsay, that were based on on the Fonz. Like, do, have you seen Grease? Of course I've seen Grease. Okay. That was my senior show. Well, Danny <laughs> Zuko is the Fonz, basically. That is the same exact character. And Henry Winkler created him on television, and he did the most genius, brilliant job of playing that, as did Anson as Potsy and, and Donnie as Ralph. They are the iconic And, of course, Ron Howard. And Ron Howard. Okay, so now, Ron Howard, you would know, as a director, not as an actor, probably, but Ron Howard started out as on on the Andy Griffith show as Opie. Oh God, as a little, and then he was on. That. He was the he was he starred in American Graffiti, and then he carried that character over to Happy Days, and he was the he was the the what was he? He was the the protagonist. The he, in Happy Days, yeah, or in American Graffiti. In Happy Days, he was. Yeah, he's the main character. He's, well, yeah, I mean, like they all. It's Richie's are kind world. Of, but, he's but a Cunningham. Richie, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a Cunningham. And uh, okay, so his daughter is Bryce Dallas Howard. Do you know her? No. Okay, she was on Black Mirror recently. She she's you. I don't know she's, that show. <laughs> she's um Bryce has been in a lot of movies, and I'm I'm guessing that you've recently. She's a current. She's just okay. a few years older I'll than you, her. and I'm I'm guessing that you probably have seen her in something. And but Ron Howard has directed everything. Apollo 13 comes to. I'm trying to. He's got like a gazillion movies. He's you've definitely seen Ron Howard movies. He's gone on to quite okay. a career, and interestingly. Um, Anson has done directing and has had a big career there. And Don has done directing as well. And so, so is Henry. And so is Henry. Um, but you might know, actually, um, Lindsay, did you ever watch Glee? I loved Glee. Okay, so Don had a recurring role on Glee. Ooh. So I'm guessing you might even recognize him. Look at that. He, um, he 
Okay, so let's see. He had a recurring role on Glee. He starred in the indie film The Yankles and Shez Upshaw, which starred Kevin Pollack and Ileana Douglas, both women who write, and Ileana's a rotaken alumni, correct. And we're going to have Kevin on the show here, too. uh, Donnie just finished starring in um, Campin' Buddies and the independent film Remember Isobel. Donnie's other feature film credits include Ed TV, which I loved, Jonathan Demme's Crazy Mama, and The Great Buck Howard, starring John Malkovich. On TV, Donnie's had guest starring roles on Men of a Certain Age, and we had Mike Royce here, the mm-hmm. creator, co-creator, uh, Century City, Star Trek Voyager, Yes, Dear, The Crow, Sabrina, Sliders, Dark Skies, and The Family Guy. Following in the footsteps of some of his other peers, like Henry and and Anson, Don has directed three fe- feature films. His first, The Last Best Sunday, had its world premiere at the Seattle International Film Festival and was a feature film winner at the Telluride Indie Fest. Moolah, starring William Mapather. I can never say his name. Uh, Maypather? Maypather. Whatever that is, Tom Cruise's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Tom Cruise's guy, nephew. Um, Treat Williams, Daniel Baldwin, and Curtis Armstrong premiered at the Newport Beach Film Festival where it earned most, where it earned Donnie the Outstanding Achievement in Directing Award. Wow. That's pretty good for just starting out. Yeah. Don also directed Harley's Hill, um, his first family film, which was recently seen on Showtime stores and Encore. So he's he's getting like a whole new, I love when people like restart their lives and, you know, yes, it's a related career, but it's it's stretching. I love that. Um, Donnie has recently gone back to his first love, which is singing. And he he sings the standards. And I've got to tell you, he sang in the living room. Boy, can he sing. Boy, can he sing. And he... He conjures for me my father, and now I get to the really personal connection I have with Donnie, which is that he went to camp when he was 12 with my first big major boyfriend, Ira J. Lackow. How did you guys figure this one out? I know. at shrub. Why? Because I've known Ira since we were... We were 12, 13... I met Ira maybe two years after he knew Donnie, and... Donnie was already a no. I guess yeah. When when I started dating Ira, actually, I was I was sixteen, seventeen. By that time, Donnie was already a star. Okay. So Ira was you know telling anyone who would listen that Donnie was his best friend at camp. Sure. And I thought he was kidding all those years, but when I met Donnie, and it turned out it was true, and they had sleepovers. They had a couple sleepovers. They were really, oh. and I just reconnected them after Women Who Write. Wow! Yes, after like oh, fifty nice. year, fifty forty, cra- some crazy amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's got a very soft spot in my heart, and he's just the loveliest person. He's been married to his wife Morgan for like thirty five years. Love that, and they're adorable together. You can tell they just adore each other they're mm-hmm. just so lovely together but his voice and his singing blew my mind i mean he's got this whole career now singing in jazz clubs and he's got a couple of cds he's just amazing so we're going to talk about all of that with donnie please welcome wheezy Lindsay, all you folks out there don but to us donnie most 
Hi, Donnie. <laughs> Hi, Vicky. <laughs> it makes me so happy that you that you called yourself Donnie because I know that that you're really kind of Don now, <laughs> but but I'm sure fans everywhere still call you Donnie. Oh yeah, and uh, a lot of my old friends and family. Although for a while, do you, do you, does your family call you Donnie? Sure, they always did. But you know, I think there was a period when they saw that I had switched my name or my billing to Don that out of uh, respect or something, they would be calling me Don, which was kind of odd. Yeah. But now I've sort of told everybody not to worry. They could call me whatever they want. So, so when did that transition happen? When, when, did, you go, when did you decide, I'm going I'm to be Don now? Oh, well, when, when I decided to um, uh, not renew my uh, contract on Happy Days. So oh, do I, we have to talk about that. All right, but, well, maybe we... All right. I, no, we can't start there. We have to okay. start at the beginning. But but I mm-hmm. I look forward to the story. Mm-hmm. Don, I'm 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 introducing you to to Lindsay, who's um our I... our leaving intern and who's getting an education on Happy Days and stuff. But because she knows you from Glee, because it's right. a whole different generation. And <laughs> yeah. But at least you're beloved and known by the millennials as well. And Louise Palanca, who. Um, uh, we were just discussing is uh, good friends with Henry from, from well, you know how he mentored her and was was a big hero for a long time. So all roads connect, and um, I think I said this in I yeah I think I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but how um, I was so excited um, when Anson connected me with you because all of my life you've been this. This person, because of Ira J. Lackow, right. uh, my boyfriend from the time. I mean, I've I've known Ira actually since just a couple of years after you guys were having sleepovers. I met Ira when I was like fourteen, and we hated each other, and <laughs> then we became boyfriend and girlfriend, um, right? And for right. a number of years, and I think I've reconnected you guys. Yes, yes, you have, which well, was great. I hadn't seen Ira since I was eleven. Oh God, and um. And then, so, yes, you reconnected us. He was out visiting his son. No, you saw each other? Yeah. I didn't know that. He didn't tell you, huh? I, I knew that you had communicated. I didn't know that you'd actually seen each other. He yeah. didn't contact me when he came out to L.A. What's wrong with <laughs> this guy? But he, he, he let me, well, he hasn't seen me in a little bit longer. A little? Yeah. So um, I said his son was down in the Venice area, and uh-huh. I live all the way in Westlake Village. So I said, well, let's meet somewhere like Malibu or something. When was this? A month ago, something like that. Oh. Five weeks. And so what was that like? It was crazy. Um, I mean, you know, I would never have recognized him. Yeah. I don't know if he would have. Maybe. Well, of course maybe. he recognized. The whole world knows who you are. <laughs> right. But but uh, he still hadn't seen me in a long time. But, uh, but since I knew where kind of to look, and then he was there with his... His wife and his son, and and oh my God, it was it was <laughs> surreal, you know, catching up and. Was it was it was it easy? Was it awkward? Was it weird? It it was pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, certainly a little awkward. I mean, there's no way it couldn't be a little bit, but but we were pretty comfortable. We were all pretty comfortable pretty quickly, and 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 it was you know just a cool thing to. That is you know. so crazy. As a matter of fact, I sent him your CD after I had gotten him your CD and had it signed for him and right. had sent it to him. I, he never even like wrote to thank me. I mean, Man. I haven't even heard back from him. Well, I think when he told me that he still hadn't listened to it because they because they didn't have like a CD player or something uh, like that. You know, it's that <laughs> I got to tell you that's driving me crazy. I don't. I hate that I don't have one in my car. Oh, you don't? I don't. Yeah, I have a new car. No more CD players. 
Oh my gosh, they're gone. They're gone. Oh, because you just plug your phone in and then I get and but but now computers don't come with them either. So it's like okay, so how do you? Oh yeah. How do you do? So I've got to do all the transferring now while I've still got a a computer that has a drive. You could also get a. I got a. You can get a USB drive separate. Yeah. That 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 can play CDs and DVDs on your computer. You can do that. Okay. Yeah. So you just ask for a USB drive for your computer you know like a super drive oh, no super drive is what um uh, apple calls their their drives but well i'm, uh, I'm an you, apple I'm, or, I'm or, a is your music uh on itunes can people find it online oh yeah it's on so that's easier it yeah it's easy for people um but if you have a physical cd it's nice to play it but but uh, yeah, it's on iTunes and Amazon, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get, get to, we're gonna later. get to the music. Yeah. Okay. So 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 okay. So we're going all the way back. We're going back before Ira. So wow. I, I don't. I, yeah, we're going pre pre Ira. Oh, pre Ira. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking little Donnie most. So okay. So I know you were at Shrub Oak in the summertime. Where where where, where did you go to school? Where did you live? Oh no, I, I yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I was. During the summer, I was up right. at Lake Mohegan, Shrub mm-hmm. Oak, but a uh, flapper section of Brooklyn, and went to uh, you know public school there, and then and then high school at uh, Erasmus Hall High School. I know so many kids who went to Erasmus. So because, because? so we're gonna because I knew them all because I went to the Catskills where I met Ira, right? Where he later went, and yeah. so I was in all the hotels, and almost every busboy and every everybody went from... to Erasmus. Yeah, <laughs> Erasmus was a big, and I remember going to this place that was really famous. Oh God, I'll have to think of it for for hamburgers. Oh. On Nostrand Avenue, I think it was like Nostrand oh, yeah. Avenue. It was like a really famous oh, place. Oh, I know the place you're you know, thinking right? of, and I can't. Oh, I can't oh, believe yeah. I forgot the name. Yeah, the, ju- not not. Uh, no, it's, it was a name. It was somebody's name, like a Vinny's. But it was it, something like that. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was like a Jewish name. I maybe. can't. I I know the place you're talking okay. about. Of course, yes, yeah. so everybody knows. So, I know Strand. That's in Sheepshead Bay. It, that was in Sheepshead Bay. You're absolutely yeah. right. But I but I do know people that went to Erasmus. That okay. So so. You're in public high school. Are you like? Are you? Oh well, my my interest in in acting, singing, and all that yeah. started earlier. Um, so I was I was actually when I was 13, I started going to a a school in Manhattan for singing and dancing. And we that. drew this line before because it because it was Charlie Lowe. Oh right, right, right. Which right. my father, oh I wanted to do Charlie Lowe. My father used to introduce them and um, I didn't get into the company. I was too scared to audition, but <laughs> so so you were in like this kid's company. Yeah, what what happened from the school that he the studio he ran with his wife um, Kasha was her Kasha. name. Kasha. Yeah, and she she Kanish. She Sorry. she taught the tap dancing, which you had to take, and I didn't want to, but I did. Um, what, I wasn't was very your, good at it. What was your lure? What 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 For was me, your it was passion? The, it was at, the first one was really singing. I mean, acting. I was thinking at age thirteen, fourteen, I was kind of interested, but mm-hmm. I was really into singing from um, watching when I was younger the Jolson story. Mm. I was a huge Al Jolson fan, mm-hmm. and then I discovered you know all the great artists from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and, and loved, started loving that music in general, especially, uh, and then I loved Darren, Bobby Darren, so much. Oh, yeah. So that then, that's what I, so I wanted to do the singing thing. And through Charlie Lowe, I went to the school, and he would handpick people from the school 
right. to put into oh, the... Oh, to be in the company. To be in the professional troupe, so right. to speak. Right, and, right. And then he'd get him booked in the hotels up in the Catskills. Hell yeah. My yeah. father would introduce him. So so was were either of your parents or, um, singers? Were, were no. They, no. No, none, they weren't singers. My mom was really... Um, she was into the really into the music uh, being a teenager and young adult during the 40s. Mm-hmm. She loved, you know, the big bands and I think she like she could she could dance. Mm. And so she was into that, but nobody sang, although um my father's father who died when I was pretty young, but they told me that he loved to entertain. Uh, he didn't do it professionally, but he would play the piano mm. and sing at parties and and that kind of thing, but nobody cool. had done it other than that. And that, and were your parents support? Well, they had to be supportive. If they brought you to Charlie Lowe, they must have been okay with you following this dream. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was 13, they finally, you know, because I w- they saw how much I loved it, and and then at my bar mitzvah, um, there was a band, and they, and they were playing some like Jolson stuff. So I don't know how it happened, but somehow I wound up on stage because they and I sang a song, you know with the band and and I knew it but Cole because of Jolson uh-huh. so and but everyone like flipped out because they didn't yeah, expect little this mitzvah boy, then. And, <laughs> and I'm singing Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody I wow. remember and so then they knew how much I wanted to do it and everyone friends were saying oh well da 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 so um, somebody knew of Charlie Lowe's studio and they uh-huh. told them so yeah they were supportive in that as long as it didn't interfere you know with the normal school and all that and it wasn't i would take the subway in you know at 13 from brooklyn into Manhattan but we for, did crazy things like that back yeah. then i mean i used to take the subway into the city a girl alone at By night yourself. even at night i would I, do it wow. yeah it was you weren't with friends usually huh well i mean i was with friends but i mean we could go as kids you know we yeah. went as teenagers I know. you know by ourselves on the subway i know yeah so so i did that and then in high school you know i continued um then after that summer that I did the singing in the Catskills, I switched to a different place and went to a kind of a more serious acting workshop. Wait a minute, so you were in the troupe? So then I saw you perform. Very possibly. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, because Charlie Lowe's troupe would come through the hotel at least twice a summer. And which, which hotel? Well, we started out at the Plaza when I was really young. That was that was before your time. Yeah. Then the El Dorado. Then we were at Green Acres. Oh, Green Acres, I remember. In Lock Sheldrake. That's where I met Ira. Okay. So now if you're 13-ish, no, yeah. you couldn't have been there because, no, well, no. I wasn't 13. I was 15. You were 15. By the time I got into the summer of 15, it was, it was well, 68. Wow. Well, I was there. So the Neville and Grossingers and the Granite and the Pines and <laughs> Tamarack Kutchers. Fantastic. Browns. <laughs> That's so fantastic. So, okay, so... So you're doing this, and while you're doing this, are you doing like plays in high school and stuff? Yeah, they didn't really do plays in our high school, but I they did certain things that kind of uh, some. They didn't do plays in your high school. No, they didn't really do really? that. They had something called Sing, where you, yeah, where, and I <laughs> I was in Sing. I remember, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the school was so big. You know, yeah. it was eight thousand people. Wow. So I don't, putting plays on, I don't know. Maybe it was just too difficult. But they had a choir. And, and Barbara Streisand had gone to Erasmus, and then the what? rumor was that um, she got kicked out of the choir. What? And we're and what the, and what the the I don't know how whether it was myth or or you know real inf- mm-hmm. information, but they said that uh, they the woman kicked her out the who headed the choir because 
her voice wouldn't blend. Just I guess because it was so strong. Is and, that really and, true? She couldn't blend with the. Everybody. I'm trying to think of how old Barbara is. How much older than us she is? I can't really. Fa- I'm not really sure. Just I'm, a few I'm, years. I'm thinking. I'm, I would say at least ten. Oh really? I think is she? Oh wow. I think so. Um, you may reminded me, and I'm just going to pay a quick homage, but uh, Don Rickles went to my high school, to Newtown High School. Oh, really? And paying respects today to uh, oh, yeah. one of the funniest men that has ever, oh. ever, ever been on this planet. Did you ever see Don live? I, I never got to see him live. I regret that very much. <sighs> wow. You did, obviously. Yeah, and actually, um, my ex, my, my husband, um, was wrote on Letterman for uh, some years, and he got to go to dinner with oh. Don and Dave. Can you imagine? Wow. That not must even. Have been... Not even. Yeah, I wonder what yeah, that... that That was one of the greatest <laughs> nights of his life. Um, yeah, that was amazing. But yeah, yeah I uh, Don, um, I I saw him, I, I guess, I th- it must have been Vegas. and um, Probably. I mean, that's Yeah, I didn't see a... him in the Catskills. Um, he was too, Don was too big. Uh, my father introduced everybody, but I don't think my father ever introduced Don Rickles. I think he was already too big. Although in the Catskills, I think uh, in some of the hotels, the bigger hotels, and maybe five, ten years even before we were there, they had really big names. I mean, some yeah. really big names. Yes. Jerry Lewis. My and, father you know. introduced Jerry Lewis, actually, yeah. a few times, yeah. yeah. but that And that was years earlier. That yeah. was when he was doing the, the typewriter, the imaginary typewriter. He had that routine. Oh, I'll kind of remember that. Yeah, he had a thing. Okay, so so you didn't so you did sing. I remember sing. Yeah. And so then after that summer, though, of the Catskills, I switched and went into a more serious acting workshop. Uh-huh. And... And then through then I a uh, woman who uh, was that in Manhattan as well? Yeah, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, a manager who handled a lot of kids and teenagers, and and the acting teacher uh, was friendly with her and recommended me to the manager. So uh-huh. then, so then I started getting um, you know meetings with agents and then auditions, and I started doing a lot of commercials. How, when what was the what was your first commercial? Uh, rice checks. <laughs> nice, they still exist. Yeah, and and was it a national? It was. So you got like a nice paycheck. Yeah, um, I I think uh, I think it was pretty good money, and I was like, whoa. Um, How old were you? Sixteen. Nice. And and then I started getting more commercials, and you know I did like, oh, and then I went to college, but I was I was still at Lehigh in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I would uh, take. Like a, I, I'd have to walk a mile to the bus station because we weren't allowed to have cars your freshman year, and then was that in Easton? I had a boyfriend in Easton, near, near not too Easton, far. Yeah. It was Bethlehem, uh-huh. Pennsylvania, right, uh-huh. and so then near Allentown. Uh-huh. So then I'd get on the bus and go two hours forty five minutes <gasps> to Manhattan. Wow! And then get on a subway and go to wherever and walk to an audition for usually commercials. You'd be in there for like five minutes, and, and that would be it. <laughs> and three yeah. hours back. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I I take the subway to Brooklyn and stay over before. Aww. But um, but I was doing that, and then doing plays in college. But then I I got a lot more commercial work. I wound up doing like forty commercials. Wow! In the four, those four years, and did that that more than paid for college? I'm sure. Well, um, you know, they weren't all nationals, mm. but I did. It, what it did was it paid for me to, um, then. When I decided after my junior year to go out to L.A. for the summer 
and and then eventually and then I started getting some TV roles and then I decided to stay not go back for my senior year my agent suggested why don't you take 6 months off cuz they saw I had some real momentum, momentum going yeah. and I was getting some parts right away and they said you should you know take 6 months off while you got some stuff going and I so that the money that I you know, my parents weren't happy about that, but I, I was able to finance that myself, you know. And it was wow. like I was saying, oh, well, I'm not going to ever finish. But I said, let's see what happens in six months. So I was able to – I had gone home, so I had to fly back <laughs> to L.A. and then find an apartment and do all that. But I was able to finance that, you know, at least. That's very cool. Yeah, it's like um, a 20-year-old or something? Yeah, I was 20 when I – when I first got out here. And what what, what was some of your early parts that you got on TV? Um, the first one was, um, I had done stuff, one in New York, but it was like, almost like, uh, not really, it was almost like an extra, you know, mm -hmm. I did a very small uh, part in a, in something in New York before. But then in LA, the first part was a show called Room 222. I loved Room 222. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Do you remember? Of course. Hell yeah. So I had a, a guest part on that. And then I got a guest role on Emergency. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. And, and I played a guy. It was a dramatic role where I played a guy who got into an accident and became, like, paraplegic. And his girlfriend, then he finds out his girlfriend's pregnant and all this. So um, that was uh, Emergency. And then I even did a police story, another dramatic uh -huh, show. I remember that. Where I played a psycho, a, a mad bomber. So you weren't, you weren't like comedy from the get-go? No, not at all. I mean, Room 22 was kind of right. light. Uh -huh. But then the other parts, obviously, those yeah. were very serious. And I was more into drama than, were you? than comedy. Absolutely. Um, my, my acting hero back then was uh, Nicholson. Uh, oh. His All that stuff he did in the late um, five easy well, pieces, five easy and, pieces, and Easy Rider, and mm -hmm. the Last Detail, and mm -hmm. and um, Carnal Knowledge, mm -hmm. King of Marvin Gardens, then Chinatown. So I mean, I was he was such a big Nicholson fan. So have you ever gotten to meet him? Yeah, one time. I, what was that like? It was incredible. I was like on cloud nine. How, when, what, how, what stage of your life was it? It was about the what year? Second season of Happy Days, uh -huh. probably. Second or third, I, I, I think maybe the third. And um, so we were shooting at Paramount Studio. That's where we shot the show, mm -hmm. at Paramount in Hollywood. And I saw on the call sheet or somewhere that the they were shooting a movie that Jacqueline Nich Nicholson was starring in. Mm -hmm. And they, it was a couple of stages away. I won't say what the movie is yet. And then I said, okay, I gotta, I'm just going over, you know. And I'm in... I guess we were shooting something, so a scene, so I was in my, I had free time, but I was in my 50s wardrobe, you know. So I go in, and it says close set uh, at the thing, but I saw people walking in, and they were dressed, period. You know, they were dressed in this, in a in period um, attire. Uh-huh. And it kind of looked like, like maybe I fit, so. <laughs> so <laughs> that so was I, lucky. So I just walked in, you know. And then all of a sudden, I. But you had to already be kind of a star. Um, like I said, it might have. I think now that I'm thinking about it, it was the second season, and, and so it wasn't like the huge hit it became yet. No, we okay. didn't become really, really big till the third season. Okay, we were a minor hit in the first season, mm -hmm. and then second season we were almost in danger of not getting picked up. Wow! And then in the third season, which it took off. It really, when we went in front of a live audience, and mm. and they moved. Um, 
the Fonz character way up in the forefront, and mm. and it changed big time in that third season. So th- at this point, you know, people might have known me; they mm. might not have. Mm-hmm. So I walk in, and I'm all these people, and then all of a sudden, I see through this little room, I see Jack, you know, and I was like, "Oh my God, there he is!" <laughs> and I was freaking out. I was such a, and then then I saw the director. Roman Polanski, <gasps> so you'll know. It's Chinatown? It was Chinatown. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, um, you know, and I, I didn't know at that time. It was just a name, China. We didn't right, know what the movie right, was yet. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, I, I he walked in. They took a break, and he walked kind of like right by me, and he was looking at me, probably like, who is this guy? Because it's a close set, and uh-huh. I don't know. But he, I don't know. He gave me a funny look, and then... I figured, okay, that was it. He's off for lunch. Or, and, and I just started wandering around the perimeter of the set, just one last look. And, and all of a sudden, a door opens, and he comes out, and he sees me. And, he, and I, I was frozen like a deer, you know, in headlights. <laughs> and then he just said, hey, how you doing? And he started talking to me. And, <gasps> and then I loosened up, and for about 20 minutes, we talked about, I talked to him about all the movies and all the scenes that I loved and, and about acting and Oh, it was like I couldn't believe it that I was talking to him, and it was that was one of the big, big thrills for me of meeting, you know, right. somebody in the business. You know, did uh, did you tell? And you told him, of course, that you were shooting on on the lot. I, I, or ne- did- I never even said anything about that. Really, you know, he knew I. He he knew I was um, you know an actor, and he could he knew I was in wardrobe, and 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 I asked questions about uh-huh. it, and he, you know. He was taught volunteering stuff, but he, we never once said, well, he never asked me, are you right, on a right. show here? It never even came up. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Have you have you met any of your other, Have has have there been any other meetings in your life that were? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, well, you know, I met, and I met Bobby Darren once, but that was even before Happy Days. Wow. And that was a big thrill. Um, I just met him at uh, in Central Park uh, near where they were. They have concerts, and it was during the sound check. And I waited. Like this Schaefer, con- Schaefer, yeah, yeah Schaefer I summer concert. I went to many concerts. of those with Ira. Actually. Wow, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where <laughs> it was. And I waited after sound check, and and, and I got to talk to him as he was walking, you know, t- in between that and the show. So that was a huge thrill. But um, I'm sure you know there are other people, but. Uh, Nicholson, and and maybe not on the acting side, but when I grew up in Brooklyn, I was mm-hmm. a huge baseball Yankee mm-hmm. fan, and um, back in that era, it was Mickey Mantle was my real idol. Mm-hmm. So then I got to meet the Mick at one point, got a picture taken with Oof. him. So that was that's up there with Jack. <laughs> that's really cool. Reggie Jackson was my hero. Oh, really? A little later, but oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I met Reggie once or twice, but uh, yeah, those those incredible. Uh, opportunities to meet people that's one of the really cool things absolutely all right so so you're getting these parts and you've you're you never finished college i assume no so oh yeah so i'm well i took six months off Mm -hmm. so so um then i didn't get anything for a while and i'm going oh i made a big mistake and Mm. no no very few interviews and but then i got the audition for uh they said a new show and a pilot it was about the 50s and so um how old were you when that happened same thing 20 this was a few months after i got after the agent said take six months off you know so um i went on a series of auditions and then a screen test and and so 
so that's why I didn't get back to school because then happy days came around. Uh huh. So, and I assume that when that happened, your parents were like, "All right, you don't have to finish college. We're all good." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, at the very beginning, it was incredibly exciting that I got a part on the new show, but you know, okay, it was a guarantee of. It was mid-season replacement, so it was like ten out of thirteen episodes was guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be, it was going to be great and okay for right now. Yeah, sure, no need to go to school right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, the question is, what's going to happen? Right. But then the show got picked up and mm-hmm. and uh, kept going, obviously. So I wound up uh, not finishing school. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what was it like? Uh, in those early days on the set, like, did you guys have any sense? You, c- I can't imagine that you could possibly have a sense of what was about to happen with you, with with the show, and with all of you and your lives. And yeah, uh, it's it was pretty. It would have been pretty impossible to predict that. Um, I I mean, I remember in the very uh, first week of filming the, the pilot, because mm-hmm. you know you do that, and then you have to wait and see if it's even going to go on the air. And I remember calling my parents in Brooklyn one night and I said, you know, and I was like saying, you know, I, I have a really good feeling of, I think this could really work and this could be really good. And I know they felt like it was wishful thinking on my right. part because you get there, you'll get this. Sh- of course you want it to be that. But I remember just feeling the chemistry and seeing who all these players were, the talent and the, and, and just the way people were kind of bond, uh, getting along and right away and working together that um, I don't, it struck me that way. And was it wishful thinking or was it really good intuition and good perception? I'd like to think it was the latter, um, but, but um, could I have seen that it would become the number one show on television and, and, you know. That you'd be there for a million years? Yeah, I mean, I, there's no way I could have ever foreseen that you know so i know that you and anson are best of friends now did you guys find each other immediately on the set how did that happen i mean you we all you know we were doing a bunch of scenes together ron and anson and i and then henry too so you know you're kind of you're put together so mm-hmm. you start talking and and then we we realized that he, you know we had a similar uh, passion for uh, music. He had a musical theater background, mm-hmm. so, and he'd done a lot of singing. So that was a, you know, common commonality for us. And so we became friends. Um, but we all did. All you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we became friends pretty, pretty quickly. I was going to say, was it different? Was in those days? Was Ron one of you? Was he just one of the boys? Yeah, you know, it sure, sure, certainly could have been easy for him not to be because of the level of you know stardom. And, and accomplishments that he had achieved already, right? Since he'd started when he was three and a half. Yeah. But um, but he was great. You know, I mean, um, he he was so um, generous, and you know, he set the tone. I mean, mm. if a guy of his fame and everything, and he was so his work ethic and um, and and being just you know very real and humble and everything, really set a great great tone for us. And was he fun on set? I mean, was he like a kid or like? Well, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Ron was 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 not like a boisterous, you know, uh, character like Ralph, my character, right. my character was. Um, so, but but neither was I. I mean, the irony, I wasn't mm-hmm. very much, I wasn't at all like Ralph. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, pretty quiet and 
and more introverted, hmm. uh, a little bit like Ron, you know. So, but 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 in that intimate setting that we were in, in the bonding that we had, you know, working together in the trenches like that, then you know it it you you get past a lot quick with you know a lot quicker than you might in a normal situation. So, right. So um, and then we you know because then we wound up going on these publicity tours together where they'd send all of us around the country. Mm-hmm. So we were traveling together and experiencing going on TV shows. For Ron, it might not have been a new thing, but for me and Anson and Henry and, you know, this whole world we were thrust into. And, uh, but, you know, he was always, he was always that steady, mm. you know, he had an incredible uh, grounding, Ron, mm. and, and, and it always did. And, and I guess that's a big part of how he was able to move he up. He had to be a pretty serious person because he was taking everything in. I mean, the the, the director that he's become, it, he had to be paying serious attention to everything that was going oh, yeah. on on set and all of that. I think he definitely did that. And, you know, he absorbed probably a lot of it when he was younger mm-hmm. just by absorbing it. But then I think he became a very uh, acute observer. Mm-hmm. And, and he always, that's my... I mean, he still is, you know. Did he direct any um, episodes of Happy Days? No. No. No, uh-huh. he, he didn't. Uh, none of us did that. Jerry Paris directed almost every episode. Mm. Gary Marshall directed several, and then we had a few other guest directors. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jerry probably did, you know, did 90% of them. And what was it like working with Gary and Jerry? What, what, how were they as, as, as yeah. overseers of oh, the... Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Uh it was, and what a fort, you know, I I feel so fortunate that I got to work with all of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jerry was uh, a brilliant director and mentor of mine because mm-hmm. um, he, he took a, a sort of liking to a lot of the stuff I would come up with that wasn't written in the script. And, uh-huh. and then it would sort of, uh, you know, ignite things in him mm-hmm. and then he because he was incredibly inventive and then we would we'd riff off it, each other and then wind up putting stuff in that wasn't in the script and um and then the writers would see it and write more of it but can you j- think of something like that that happened not really i mean there's so many but but he he was just incredibly inventive about uh-huh. about things and with everybody so uh you know he had more to do on a day-to-day basis with that show probably than anybody mm-hmm. uh, because he was, like I said, with us day-to-day. Day. Gary had a tremendous influence as well because he was overseeing the scripts, you know, the stories, the mm-hmm. scripts, and the actors and everything. And, and you know, when we st- we got to interact more with Gary in the third season forward when we started shooting with an audience and having notes with the writers and those sessions were incredible. Gary leading those sessions and when we'd come up with problems or things that weren't quite funny enough and and then you'd see the, the writers, you know, conferencing or whatever and somebody has this idea and boom, and then all and Gary would come up with something that would just fix everything, you know. And it, it was an amazing I used wow. to love those sessions. Wow. And yeah. and another one of our women, uh, Cindy Beagle, I was just in touch with her today, uh, was a writer on Happy Days, actually. Oh. Um, and she helped, was instrumental in getting Gary to the living room. Oh, um, right. And, uh, and Gary told us a story, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but he, he was telling a story about how a writer came to him with something, and he... He just like he said, just make it funny. You know, it was like it was like just the bottom, just be fun. 
money. That's right. just like all that it, it is. And, yeah. and it came very easily and naturally for Gary. And he, I guess he was expecting, okay, now you do it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Because, he, I mean, uh, almost anything he said it would uh, coming out of his mouth, it Absolutely. Would, be, it would be funny. You know? Absolutely. Right. Wow, so and and so so much talent on that set, Marion yeah. Ross and and just Tom like Bosley. Tom Bosley. I mean, yeah. it's just like every single person on that set, Chachi and Joni and like like everybody went on to have these huge careers from there. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those you have to give the producers and Gary uh, a lot of credit for the casting that they did. To, uh, this this incredible fortuitous assembly of people amazing that that uh, happened to be you know I mean is, you can't imagine other people playing the, these roles absolutely you know? not they yeah. it's like it was like lightning struck and yeah. everything was perfect so now I know Anson started to sing on the show by his own initiative yes. his his singing with the ball so didn't you want to do so wasn't that something that you wanted absolutely yeah that was frustrating for me. Because unbeknownst to me, what happened was Anson, um, you know, he's very, he was very entrepreneurial as, <laughs> as, as he is. We learned he was entrepreneurial yes. when he was eight. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I think so. He yeah. was. And, you know, he's into that big time now. He's doing great. Right. But um, he, 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 to illustrate that, he, he went up to Gary he, uh, early in the first season and um, you know, Gary was busy, but he says, okay, walk with me, you know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, I only have a minute. And, and Anson said, you know, something to the effect of, look, you're doing a show about the 50s. You got the, the girls in the, in, the, uh, in the right wardrobe, mm -hmm. and you got the drive-in with the cars. Mm -hmm. you, you got the whole feel of the 50s. What you're missing is the music, and, and you should let us form a band, and we could play at Arnold's, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I could, you know, I'm a And then Gary said, oh, are you any good? And 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 Anson tells a very funny story about this in his book yeah. called Singing to a Bulldog. Mm -hmm. There's a chapter when he explains this. So I don't bullfrog. No, Singing to a Bulldog. A Bulldog? Yes. It's I singing, thought it was a bullfrog. No, it's Singing to oh, a Bulldog. okay. And then because <laughs> there's a chapter, where, and, and he, I won't spoil it. People yeah. might want to read it. But uh, it's a very funny story and how Gary agreed. Okay, the, the terms that Gary agreed to let him, you know, sing and see how it went. So um, you'll read that. But then um, it went well, and then Gary has started having him do more. You know, every once in a, every few episodes, that was a part of the show. And then I was like going, well, wait a minute. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a singer, and, and I think people knew, some people knew, but I guess Gary didn't, you know. So um, I, the more this went on, I was getting frustrated. So <laughs> I set up a meeting with Gary, with my manager, and had a whole, I bet, you know, I was really pleading my case and being very, very enthusiastic and vociferous, mm -hmm. and um, and he's just sitting there patiently listening <laughs> to me behind his big, big desk, and then finally, uh, when I was done, he just looked at me, and then he said, I wish I could imitate him really good, but I can't, but he said something like, you know, if I was putting on a show and I needed a juggler, <laughs> I wouldn't need two jugglers. <laughs> And I was like, huh? Okay, I, I think I get the gist of that. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he didn't want another singer. Right. You know, he had established Potsy as the singer, and I was a different, you know, the comedian or whoever. Right. So he didn't want to mess with it. So that was it. But they did let me, there was a special Valentine episode 
where everybody got to sing because it was like a fantasy mm. scene for different characters. And there was one other episode I got to sing a little. So, um, but it was it was definitely frustrating. But the but the, the reality is, the fifties music is even though I really like some of it, that wasn't my wheelhouse. Mm. What I what I loved from the time I was young and what I was singing in the Catskills and what I wanted to sing was the stuff that, you know, that Sinatra sang and Sammy right. Davis and right. Bobby Darin and Dean Martin mm -hmm. and Nat King Cole or mm. Ella Fitzgerald, or, mm -hmm. you know, the jazz standards and all that. Right. So, the, you know, it would have been nice to do some of the music of the 50s because I, I enjoy that. I actually, in my act, I, I do a big medley of 50 songs. Mm -hmm. and um, So it could be, that could be fun too. But that wasn't where my blood was. As right, well. right. Wow, so, and, and you and and Ralph was the com the comic role. You, you were the funny. You were the funny one. Well, he you know he fancied himself that way, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes he was pretty yeah, funny. <laughs> it, but that's what made it so adorable. Yeah, that was just kind of the way it fit. Yeah, that was actually magic in a bottle. So 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 you did it. So okay. So now it's this huge success. Third right. season now. Boof takes off. So now, how does your life change when? All of a sudden, now you're famous. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's very. I, I often say to people, you know, this is something you know that they didn't teach you in acting class. Mm. You know how to. They teach you all this other stuff, but nobody teaches you when all of a sudden your life is completely turned upside down. It's like being thrown into the twilight zone because how everything. So, so, because so what everything, changes? Everything. How? Does it, as how? Well, give us some examples. Be, well. Now everywhere you go, yeah, people know who you are. I mean, and everywhere it's not like hey, for a week you get to do this, right? It's this is your life now. So the mere fact that everybody knows who you are, I mean, you, you the, the, the the profound change that that brings to your life is oh. unbelievable. So tell so tell us like some of the good and some not so good. Well, you know, the good at the beginning was it was exciting as hell, to, right? You know, because you know is this real am i dreaming um so that's very exciting and then for a young bachelor you know th there's certain advantages <laughs> too um but you met your wife while you were still on happy days you got yeah, married didn't that, you yeah, yeah that was years later uh -huh. okay. so so there's a lot of cool cool things but then the bad thing is that it's like it's not like you could go okay that was fun let's stop, stop now because <laughs> it doesn't and then it doesn't matter where you go you know every and it's every it's 24 7 right so you go for dinner here you go here you go there and it doesn't stop so after a while you know it changed i mean there you you have to and and i i um socially i was never i wasn't like that wasn't one of my real real uh what's the word um talents uh you know like being a great social interactor butterfly or whatever right I, you know i'm more a little shy and all this so so it's not like i could gravitate towards that real easily right um and because these the, the people they don't know you but they think they know you and this and that right. and so you know you're at dinner or you're going at shopping i got to a point where i would kind of hibernate you know where i didn't want to go out mm. unless i was going to I realized after a while that I was gravitating to places that were dark, where I could kind of. But I didn't realize I was even doing it until right. that I realized, oh, I'm only going to places where you I can hide in a corner somewhere, you know. Wow. So, um, so th that's just one example. I mean, it so gets, it's even goes like on. going to the grocery store. You can't even like go to the grocery store no, without no. people like just yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you couldn't go any. So 
like I said, people are going, hey, well, that's probably cool. And it, yeah, it was at the beginning, you know, but when it, when it just now this is it for, 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 you know, maybe not forever, but for, it was for a pretty long time. Right. You know? Right. Um, and you know, it starts dissipating after a certain period of time. And I certainly don't get it now like it was then. So now is it, is it a pleasure now when it happens because it isn't happening all the time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I probably appreciate it a lot more now mm-hmm. because it is it's more manageable. It's not right. it's not you know just incessant all the time. Um, so when it happens, it's yeah you can appreciate it more and it can be fun and and um, it's different, very different now. I can I can't even imagine what it must have been like when you guys were touring together. And at the height of everything, when it was you and Henry and Anson and, yeah. and Ron, and oh my God, you would blow into a city and the girls <laughs> must have gone insane. Yeah, there was some pretty funny, <laughs> crazy episodes that that occurred. Um, Were you which, all single back then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron was the first to get married. He married his high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty early on. It might have been like a year into the show. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Um, and then uh, probably a couple of years later, Henry got married, and then Anson got married, then I got married. And I met my wife, Morgan. Um, it was on my last season of the show. Uh-huh. And she, she did it. She was an actress, and she had a small guest role, and we start, met there you know, during the wow. rehearsals and all that. We started uh, seeing each other, and um, two years later, we got married. Okay, so, okay, Morgan's lovely. So... Okay, so so we're here. So what? How did Happy Days end for you? How did Happy Days no longer be happy? What 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 happened? Why did you make your exit? Because it was before, way before the show ended. Yeah, four years before it ended. Okay. Um, yeah, well, after the seventh year, my contract was up, and as was all of our contracts, I guess. And um, I was, I felt, you know, I I I didn't want to just play one character mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, and I could feel like I was getting more and more sort of associated with it and um and and then also you know just on a creative level that gets to get a little stagnant mm-hmm. where you're playing the same character over and I wanted to play so many different kinds of roles right and the scripts for me um it was getting hard after you know after the 5th year it gets hard and this was now the 7th year I could feel like it wasn't growing like it had been in mm-hmm. those first three, four years. It was all this growth and and there was freshness to it. To me, it started feeling repetitive and starting to uh, just not stay at the same level. And 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 that was disappointing to me. And uh, so it was a combination of a lot of those things and other other factors that led because uh, it wasn't money because they were offering me a big raise. Mm-hmm. And I told them. I told my manager, you could tell them, I'll come back without a raise. Uh-huh. I, forget the raise, but let the studio guarantee me or the, the network guarantee me uh, a chance to do something like in a, a part in a TV movie uh-huh. or a supporting part in a movie at Paramount. You know? uh-huh. and, and, I'll, and, and this was the biggest raise that I'd, because there was no, since I was no longer under contract. Right. They... You know, they weren't right. bound. I wasn't bound by that, so they offered me a really sizable raise, and I was saying, "I'll do it without it." But let me have some other creative chances. To, uh-huh. But they they wouldn't guarantee that, and I was like, "Okay, well then, then I have to. It's time to move on." You know? So, who else left besides you at the, at that time? Just Ron. Just Ron. Because Ron was you know really pursuing the directing thing at that mm-hmm. point, 
and and uh, ABC. He, I think, he said something similar to them. If they gave him a chance to direct, he would stay, and they wouldn't. Wow, well, boy, I bet they. Can, I bet that person got fired at some point. Yeah, you would hope. Jesus, and so, and that was before the show, though, jumped the shark, as the famous jumped the shark. So, what was that about? Well, that episode actually had happened already. Oh, sim- close to when, you know, I think it was uh, might have been the season before, late in the. Six, I can't remember sixth season or uh-huh. the beginning of the seventh, and um, it it was well there was no there was no expression jumped the shark right. then, but it was based on the fact that there was an episode where you know they came up with a high concept. I don't know whether it was the network or somebody to to you know they tr- I guess because the earlier episode in the third second season where Fonzie jumped all these motorcycles. Um, I mean, all these garbage cans with his mm-hmm. uh, on his motorcycle. It was such a big rating success that now they. What can we do? You know, we come up with something, and and I don't know how it came about, but they you know, they wanted to do something with his character. And I think Henry had said when they asked him, "Well, tell us some of the things that you can do. You know, whether it be mm-hmm. sports or this." And and he was a good, really good water skier because uh-huh. he had spent his summers in Lake Mayopac, <laughs> which was in far. Wow. Very close to Lake Mohegan, where I spent my summers. Uh-huh. So he grew up uh, summers on a lake, and he was a really good water skier. So that maybe that's when they came up with this thing, going out to California, and and chal- being challenged by this surfer guy to 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 um, you know skiing, and there was a tank with a shark, in it, you know, <laughs> and they came up with this whole thing. So um, I guess uh, people looking back. Uh, felt like well maybe that was the beginning that, mm. uh, when they went to th- those lengths to come up with this you know sort of elaborate plot or whatever you want to call it um, that maybe somebody looking back felt that's when the show maybe started kind of going downhill uh-huh. when he jumped the shark gotcha <laughs> so yeah. that's how that that's, expression that came about right Too I mean funny. the show ran for like four more years after that right so, but um but so that's a debatable point whether but some people say creatively though is when it you know did Anson and Henry stay with it through the end yeah they did yeah uh-huh. everybody else was there mm-hmm. so it was tough you know i mean cuz it was a great family and and we got along so well but uh you know i was 27 and i i just felt like i needed at this point to try to do other things and you know did you ever regret it um I think I needed to make the change then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one regret I I remember telling my agent at the time, well, I don't want to do you know another series for a while. Mm-hmm. I just want to try to do movies mm-hmm. and theater, but you know I don't want to do another TV series and and no television unless it's you know maybe a movie, TV movie and because I was being stubborn and mm-hmm. bullheaded about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And the, back then, it was so difficult to make the crossover mm. from TV to film. Not like today. Today, it's, a it's, lot different. it's like there's there's a blur, bridge. There's like no lines yeah. almost. Yeah, it's a total bridge back and forth between right. the mediums. And but back then, yeah, you didn't. It was like you were second class citizens to the f- film people. Mm-hmm. But I was determined, you know. And it was like hitting a brick wall because I was with a big agency, and I remember I went six months. And I didn't even get an audition. Wow! You know, they, they wouldn't even let me come in to audition. For, wow! For you know, for, and I had gotten offered some TV stuff, but I, at the time, I you know, I said no, no, I want to. So if if I have any, 
I think that might have been a mistake because if I'd done some TV, because mm. uh, um, at that point maybe I could have gradually mm. sort of changed the the image. But I was trying to do it like immediately, right? You know, and it was tough. Um, you know, now over the years I've managed to do mm-hmm. a lot of other things, but uh, you know that initial five ten years right after it was really tough so what what did those five ten years look like for you I, the first six months you didn't get an audition and then then what happened after that um i you know i started doing some theater you know just to keep keep what kind uh, of theater were you doing um well you know there was some it was uh some summer uh, a playhouse in um, westport playhouse i did a play i did a play in uh Skowhegan, maine which is was the second third oldest theater in the country with uh uh with maureen o'sullivan I wow maureen yeah i did a play with her barefoot in the park and and um so and i did i went on tour with dick van dyke and the musical damn yankees wow where i played uh, joe hardy the baseball player uh-huh. you know? um i did some musical other musicals up in canada and and then in s- dinner theaters in kansas and st louis and you know, and you must have been like the draw because you were you were Donnie Most from Happy Days. Yeah, so it you know that made it somewhat easier for me to get some of these plays and mm-hmm. and to do that. And so and then I started telling my agents, okay, you know, I'll do some television because um, you know I needed to. There was all kinds of stuff. Uh, a whole story with the house that I had that the whole Mesa was uh, starting to slide and so my house was no longer worth and almost anything and wow so there was the financial pressures uh-huh. and all that. so um so, so I started doing TV and you know and then slowly so you're doing you're doing guest shot you're doing guest shot things guest mm-hmm. roles on TV mm-hmm. yeah and then and then um you know a movie came along here and there and um, so, and gradually more TV, and then I started to direct myself. I directed some theater to try it out, and then got some film projects going. I've now directed three independent films. Yeah, I was just talking about, it, and you've won some awards too, which is phenomenal. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, um, yeah, it was great, great experience, and I actually have a few really good projects that I'm um, uh, really pushing and trying to get set up, uh, financed, or set up somewhere. So. Hopefully I'll be doing that again. Soon. And and does acting still call? Oh, big time! I want to, yeah. Um, you know, and I've done. Uh, well, you know, we talked about this earlier. I've done other t- a lot of TV through the years, including a recurring role on Glee. So how did that? So was that fun? Oh, great fun! Mm-hmm. It was. Um, it was a wonderful cast and crew, and it reminded me a little bit of Happy Days mm-hmm. in that how how well oiled they were and how mm. great they the crew was with uh, with the actors and I, it it was just a great experience i really enjoyed my time on that yeah um and and lindsay knows you from from glee, glee. yeah that was it was fun <laughs> it was really fun part and and working with great people so um and how about the family guy well yeah the family guy uh, seth mcfarland brought me asked if i'd come in and it was willing to do my own voice. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how he would take to the material, but uh, it was very funny bit making fun of the fact that I changed my name from Donnie to Don. And, <laughs> um, so I did. I I had fun with that, um, and you know I did Star Trek Voyager uh, two parter and, and and then some other and then a lot of independent. I really like independent films, and I've um, I did a 
one that was out this past fall, a psychological thriller. So it was a very different kind of role for me. And so acting, yes, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing some very different kinds of things. I've been taking some meetings lately on so, roles that so are like drama, villa- like yeah. drama, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh-huh. some they're talking to me, and I've been meeting on some roles that are more like almost villain type roles and fun, you know. And so I want to, and I did that on, on in theater. I did a play once called um, "Wait Until Dark," Love where it. where I played the you played the guy. I played <gasps> the guy, yeah. And, wow. And so that was you know I totally changed my whole look and yeah you can't be blonde for that yeah and i I grew a beard and i was wearing earrings and (laughs) and you know i just brought on a hold and did stuff with my hair it was different and people didn't even know it was me you know i bet until the intermission or something wow so so yeah drama and playing villains or whatever it is Mm -hmm. but but i also still love comedy if you know if it's if it's something i feel that i like the material i you know, I, I love when they're combined, when mm-hmm. it's something that has both drama and comedy that goes kind of seamlessly together. Absolutely. Um, that's my favorite thing to watch, too, I think. Yeah. So, okay, so how did singing reemerge in your life, and when did that happen? Um, yeah, I, I always knew that I'd want to go back to it at some point, but I, I didn't know how and when. And I think the big problem when in the 70s for me and early 80s was that the music that I wanted to do was like I said, the, the music that uh, at that time was looked upon like your parents and your grandparents' music, right. and th- it was v- not commercial at all, and it, uh, so it was very difficult. But with the resurgence of the great American Songbook and all those, Tony Bennett helped that a lot, didn't he? Yeah, Tony Bennett absolutely did, and and so did you know Harry Connick, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and when Tony Bennett did it on MTV. And then Diana Krall comes on the right. scene, and that when Natalie Cole did that wonderful album Fantastic. dedicated to her dad, mm-hmm. that really opened it up some. And then, of course, uh, then people like Rod Stewart started doing standards and right. all kinds of people. And then now Buble, of course. So I guess when I saw what was happening, mm-hmm. uh, it was like, well, if I have, if I am ever going to do this music, that it was been, been my passion. I better do it now. So three years ago, I put started putting together three and a half uh, an act. Uh, I got to I met a manager, a guy named Rob Lowe, not the actor, mm-hmm. and and um, and we started talking about how we could do this. And um, Anson actually introduced me to Rob. And then um, you know I put the act together and I got a musical director and and he got me booked in some jazz clubs to start off in L.A. and. And they went great. You know, people were just incredibly receptive, more than receptive. I mean, they were like, well, you you're know, wonderful. Mm-hmm. You sang in my living room. You're like, tore my house down. You're fabulous. <laughs> well, I want you to see my whole show one of these I, days. I, yeah. Yes, I want to. So so with that response and, and, and I started doing it more and more and loving it, just loving it. So that's how. And then people said, you have to record. And then one thing led to the next and. And I did the CD that I'm so excited okay. So tell about. tell us about the CD and where everybody can get it. Yeah, it's called D Most Mostly Swinging, <laughs> and and it's and it swings, boy. Um, this producer I met, an arranger, a guy named Willie Murillo, who's incredibly ta- talented. The arrangements that he wrote, and he's a wonderful trumpet player. Um, and he knows that big band sound, mm-hmm. which I love, and he knows it as good as anybody today. And and wrote. We talked about the arrangements, and he wrote incredible stuff. 
and the band that he put together are like top LA studio jazz guys. So it the songs and the arrangements they just cook, and and I spent a lot of time making sure the vocals were just right and. And people are again. The response to it has been so great. So I, I just I'm hoping it gets out there in the radio more and more. And and uh, but people could go to iTunes and download it, or go to Amazon and order the CD, which has some cool art, you know, pictures and and stories and stuff inside. Well, what's great is that you know I I. I was expecting that it was a vanity project for you, and so that mm. what I was hearing on the CD was going to be far better than you were going to sound live. And what was so great is that you were fantastic live, oh, and you thanks. just totally delivered. So, um, so I encourage anybody who gets an opportunity. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any plans yeah. to, to play out soon? Yeah, I do. I'm going um, to the East Coast, uh, Long Island, New mm. York, to sing at the Patchog Theater. Uh, do my show there May seventh. Okay, and then on May. 12th, I'm going to be at the uh, up in Bradford, Pennsylvania, at the theater up there, the Bromley Theater, doing a show, and that's just below Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Philly to the Raz Room on May 13th, doing a show there. And then I'll be in the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut on June 12th. And then we're talking about some other dates. But those okay, are... good. Well, I hope you're going to come back to like vibratos or something out here. So yeah, I would love we... to do vibratos. But uh, Catalina, I've done Catalina Jazz Club in Hollywood like five times. And, oh, there, that's yeah. perfect. We'll go. We'll yeah. go. We'll go to the Catalina. I love that place. Yeah, oh, it's, it's to... great. I love sing, playing, singing there, and Vitello's right I here meant, in and Studio I was City. See, right, Vitello's is a great I, room. That was my first show, and I've done. Five times there, too. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll come out and mass the women who write women. That would be great. Um, okay, so so is there anything, any dream that you haven't lived yet that you still are cooking? Is there anything? Well, I think the things that I'm dreaming about, you touched upon them. I, I want to act in a, I feel like the, I've only touched the tip of the iceberg mm. as an actor and of what I've, and, and there's so much more. I'm dying, I'm really feeling the passion for that again i want to continue the singing and record more and keep doing live shows too and and direct again and and um like i said i've done three and i've got several really good projects that i'm hoping to get behind the camera again with and on one of these what i guess the real dream is that i want to also act in it you know so act direct yourself yeah, yeah that that i have to do one of these days. I can see you doing like a Netflix series, like one of these, like I'm addicted to binging Netflix shows, uh-huh. Like, the, and the dark, the darker the better. I just love them. I just watched Happy Valley. Oh my God, did that make, have you seen no, it? No, I haven't seen it. But, uh, actually, Donnell Logue suggested that I watch Happy Valley. I ran a thread because I had had surgery and I said, okay, what should I binge? And everybody had suggestions. Right. And I had watched like every The Show, The Fall, The Killing, The Affair, <laughs> right? And so he got on and said, watch Happy Valley. It's this, what I love about it is that the the hero is a woman who is middle-aged, a little overweight, imperfect, very flawed, smokes cigarettes, sneaks cigarettes. She's got all this stuff going on, but she's phenomenal. And it's a crime, very crime? dark, oh, crime, wow. fantastic series. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, really yeah. wonderful. But I could see you like doing, I, I love this idea about you being a villain in one of these like 10 arc shows, yeah. you know, where you get to like be the dark Donnie. That would be. <laughs> Donnie Dark. <laughs> Donnie Dark. Yeah, that sounds like a winner. Um, I would love to do something like that. Or what, you know, and it, villain or, it could be. I mean, the, uh, the 
it could run the gamut. You know, that's right. what I'm so I love when I when I did the psychological thriller, it it opened me up in ways that I was really intrigued by, and um, and then I did another uh, ind- indie where I played a completely different character. Um, I played a sort of a semi-alcoholic uh, father to an estranged with his son. So you know, I I, I love whatever it is, and as long as the material, if the if it's well right. written, right, you know, then. Uh, it could be anything. Right. Good is good, yeah. no matter what genre it is. Exactly. Okay, so I have one last question for you, Donnie. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything that you indulge in, like whether it be music or movies or TV or food or a hobby, anything that you do that you're like, I can't believe I really love this? Is there anything like that? <laughs> um well, gosh, I can't believe I really love this. Not, I, I mean, golf is something that I love, and, and when I was younger, never would have thought that I would get into golf. Yeah. So that surprised me when I got into it, because I got into it when I was 28. Oh, wow. You know, I thought that would be a game I'd take up when I was 70. Yeah. But I got into it, and I love, I love the game, and I don't get a chance to play as much. So that's the closest thing. I mean, the other one is dark chocolate, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, that counts. Those count. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for coming out and talking to us. Oh, um, my pleasure. I always love it. You're, there's, you say you're shy and everything, but I, I found you to always to be very easy and... Um, and conversational, lovely, and oh, open, and uh, this has been a pure joy. Um, thank oh. you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it, too. Yay, Donnie Most! <laughs> <laughs> thank See you. you. Soon. Thank you. So, Wheezy Lindsay. Yes. Um, yeah. Pretty charming man. Delightful. That Donnie Most. I'm going to kill Ira J. Lackow when I get my hands on him. I don't even him. know what to say. He is, he is in such... I cannot believe he came out here, met with Donnie, and didn't even oh, call yeah. me. Oh, And you were the hookup. Right? Is that right. like... That's like so How wrong. Rude. That's rude. just so wrong on so many levels. Okay. but Okay. Aside from that, um, so, Lindsay, the, Donnie isn't from your your past but mm-hmm. does it make you want to like go watch an episode of happy days yeah good i good, wanted okay. to watch one anyway i'm sorry i failed my homework so, so. wheezy you, you have a takeaway with donnie <laughs> yeah i mean he is just forever fascinated by everything mm. you know and he's just excited about the next project he's a very naturally optimistic person and he's delightful to be around so who wouldn't want to work with him I agree with all of that. I also think, uh, for me with Donnie, now that I'm thinking about it, what really struck me is that he's not willing to do the easy thing. He is going to do where he's going to go where his passions are. And he gave up a lot of money to turn down that Happy Days thing at 27 years old. Yeah, he's more excited about creativity. Yeah. Than uh, commerce, and I know you want you know you want to learn about how we blend the two, but uh, I think he he choose creativity. He wants to try new things. Yeah, it, it's yeah. really interesting though because of all the people we've interviewed, he's a rare exception of someone that really walked away from the commerce and said, "No, my creativity comes first. Yeah, and you know it that is kind of like an important juncture in your life when you're twenty seven or thirty, you know, to want to say, "I don't want to be Ralph Mouth." 
all throughout my whole adulthood because he pretty much started adult life as Ralph Mouth. Right. And then he became extraordinarily famous as Ralph Mouth. And then, and so he thought, if I don't jump to another ship now, I may not, there may not be one that comes along. So I think he was sort of feeling that urgency. He didn't want to get stuck in one character. And yes. I think it's e- it's easier to make those kind of decisions at 27 than it is at 47. You know, so I think that, that did come. But I think, you know, as he said, you know, he had a, a rough five to 10 years after that finding work um uh it, it cost him dearly where he was even in financial situations with his house having problems he may have had the same problem four years later possibly it's you know it, when you look back on happy days you don't really remember who was on it for the duration unless you just think of all of them unless all. you're a student of the show right so i i think either choice would have been fine for him this kind of gave him a head start with the rest of his career maybe ahead of anson and and other people that stuck with it, I, you know, it's it's not anything I think that he looks back on with regret. It, I didn't get that feeling, and I, I, I love that he has all this passion for what is ahead, and I really hope that he gets that opportunity to play those darker characters, you know, some dramedy and and some serious roles, and and get some really juicy stuff. And I hope he gets to act and direct himself, which is his dream. And I kind of trust that it's going to happen for him. Yeah, he's very versatile. Yeah, and and also he's he's persistent. Like he's he's lived through pretty much all of his dreams right he he wanted to be a singer he's he's singing he he wanted to be on tv he wanted to make movies he wanted to direct and he's really gotten to do everything he's he's spoken of so i can't imagine that this is going to be anything less than that for him and i also think that he's forged and maintained really good friendships and and also a delightful person to work with i'm sure yes i mean look how lovely he is mm-hmm. what a nice guy it was, it was just like fun just it, and I, I what what doesn't translate to to the listeners out there he had like this huge smile on his face. He's like very he, twinkly. The entire time he was here was just this warm, smiling, inviting, lovely, lovely man. Well, tonight was just thrilling for me. I adore him. Um, he's best friends with Anson, who has become a, a mentor and really good friend of mine. And and we go back to Ira Lackow, that snake for all those years ago. Anyway, so this was just a lovely, nostalgic evening for me. So thank you so much, Lindsay and Weezy, for sharing this with me. Our thank you. And for all of you out there at home, listening, or you don't have to be at home. You could be in your car. You could be at the gym. You could be wa- speed walking somewhere. Who knows where you are? Could be with Ira. You could, you could with, be, without Vicky. You could be with that snake, <laughs> Ira. And wherever you are, I hope that you uh, tune in and... Um, on, you can find us on TuneIn, on iTunes, on SoundCloud. We're all over the place on Stitcher. And um, new show every Tuesday, but we're here whenever you are. Um, so uh, till next time on The Road Taken. The Road Taken is a radio-free podcast here whenever you are. A new show every Tuesday. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the corner of Hollywood and Vine where I'll be using a bullhorn. Well, you can also get links to all this and more at VickiAbelson.com. That's V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N. Please follow, subscribe, review, lather, rinse, repeat. Till next Tuesday. And mine and binge our archive while you're at it. It's rich with information, inspiration, and fun, damn it. Thanks for listening.
And if you like to watch, keep your eyes peeled for our next Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs>